Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hextech Heroes. My name is Laughing Mage, but joining me are not your regular podcaster minions, but instead two very, very special guests. Guys, why don't we go ahead and introduce ourselves? Hi, my name is David Shinock. I make League of Legends TikTok content. I uh, put it on Twitter as well, a little bit of YouTube. Uh, I primarily focus on the esports side of things, but also talk about the game as a whole uh, and just genuinely love the game of League of Legends. Uh, my name is Maya. You can find me on Twitter at LCS Miracle, except the miracle is spelled M-I-R-A-K-K-E-L. Um, I love League of Legends esports, specifically the LCS. I also dabble in a little bit of the LEC, but that is where my main interest lies. I think it is a very, very interesting competitive outlet. I agree, I agree. And we're all here because we're all fans of the LCS. And with that being said... Some news has recently dropped uh, regarding the LCS and a schedule change that is happening. So for context, if you haven't heard, uh, basically the LCS is moving uh, their competitive days over to a Thursday-Friday schedule where the games will be starting at 12 PST or 3 EST. And ever since this announcement happened, there's been a lot of reactions from the public, a lot of reactions from staff as well and players. And we're here to talk about all of it. So... With that being said, how about we just get into some some general reactions? How about some like personal? How do we feel as individuals, as fans, in this announcement? I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, my initial reaction was extremely negative on a scale of one to ten. It was probably a negative nine. Since <laughs> then, over time, it has grown to maybe the point where it's only a negative three. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's just. You know, I, I don't want to put the blame directly on Riot because some part of me believes that they have numbers that they're looking at um, that that decide or that indicate that this change is one that's worth making. I, I personally do not see it. And here's the thing. I love the idea of putting it on weekdays because there is an appetite for weekday content, right? In the sense... The NFL for a long time used to be only Sunday game days. They added Monday night football, they added Thursday night football, and those did really well. Um, because people want to enjoy this product on days that are not just the the two week day, uh, the two weekend days, right? Um, especially when Riot has other leagues across now two games that they want to space out evenly. I thought moving it to Thursday and Friday was a great idea, right? What I was not nearly as happy about are the times. Now, um, you know, all three of us, we're in the Eastern time zones, so it's still a little more palpable to where we have games running for maybe 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, on an average day. But if you're in the Pacific time zone, um, you're going to have games running from 12 through 6, which if you are someone that works a traditional 9-to-5 job, if you're a college student, if you're a school student for that matter, it's going to be a lot harder to keep track. Because, you know, a, a lot of people are not the type, or do not have the type of jobs where they have access to streaming. And so I I don't think that that's really the best thing they could have done. I've had this conversation with people since the moment news broke at Worlds. The news initially broke that we were changing to weekdays, but we weren't sure what day. I think, uh, I think week two of Worlds, if I'm not mistaken. And I was at the CLG after party. I was just talking to a bunch of fans and literally everybody else on and their mother about it. It seems like the 
the day change is validated for the most part, which I I love your analogy of the NFL football having games on multiple days besides just Sunday. But the problem there is that you have that one specific day that still drives the most amount of viewership, and that is Sunday. And that will never change, at least unless a major cultural shift happens. Sunday is still the day. Monday does well. Thursday does well. Saturday games even sometimes do well whenever college football is not around. But they still don't compare to Sunday. And I think the same thing can be applied here with League of Legends, ignoring Valorant entirely. Because I don't, as much as myself early on wanted to believe that that was part of it, I've come to terms with the fact that it's not. Saturday, Sunday are still going to be your most viewed days. We see that with the LCK and with the LPL because they have games across multiple days, and every time they put the premier matchups on Saturday, Sunday. Why? Because you can build viewership throughout the week towards that moment, and it just feels like LCS is being shifted to be the lead-in to LEC. Like we are the days like Wednesday, Thursday, build up some or sorry, Thursday, Friday, build up some hype into Saturday, Sunday, which is LEC. And then Monday, we'll see how that does. But like I think Sunday is still gonna be like that day that pops off, maybe Saturday as well. I the time yeah. change is just absurd. I yeah, I want to say like outside if the time change for a minute, like Riot, you know, when they announced, and this is not the LCS post, this is the first post that they made um that was um, created by the global team, I think, was that they saw that there was like a, a higher tendency for people to follow um, their chosen game over their chosen region. And that is something that they kept in mind. So if I am a North American League of Legends fan, I would be more incentivized or I'd be more likely, based on their analysis, to watch EU League of Legends then I would be to watch NA Valorant, and then EU Valorant would obviously be all the way at the bottom. So if you have, like, you know, if you're ranking the four of those. So what their um, philosophy there was, was that they wanted to make sure that League did not, um, like, either League of Legends League did not collide across its two Western regions. And as far as that's concerned, I think David makes a great point that if they are going to separate the days that LEC and LCS are played, it is not the best sign that we get uh, the weekday slots, whereas they get the weekends. And, you know, someone would argue that it's only a fair trade, you know, because when you switch games, LEC gets the mid- midweek slot, whereas NA gets prime time. But that doesn't really, like, at least for me, I don't think it eases the pain of you, let's say, being a solely League of Legends fan and being told that you're second fiddle. And I know that Riot will not admit that. They say that, you know, we're not trying to shoot the LCS in the foot. But I think despite them not wanting to do it, certain aspects of those changes, especially the time slots, have unintended repercussions. Just yeah. look at the time slots themselves. What, to, what time does the LEC start local time for most of Europe? 6 p.m., I want to say. What time does the LCK start for most of, uh, or for all of Korea? local time i'm not too sure actually around around six give or take plus or minus a few same thing for the lpl why is it then that the lcs is the only one that starts at noon local time very good I, yeah, we are, I, I, we are I, an outlier we're an anomaly for a reason 
I tried to justify that to myself because that's what that was my first thought. I'm like, if you're doing it on a weekday, there is a very good opportunity there to do prime time on weekdays and, you know, get people hyped up mm-hmm. for that way. But like you said, we're the only ones that are doing it on um, during the afternoon hours. Uh, even if, you know, if you discard entirely the concept of weekday or weekend, it's in the afternoon hours. And the only ostensible reason that I can think for that is that they want to farm viewership from time zones that are ahead of us. That's it. Bingo. And that That's feels it right like there. it should not be a priority. You know, if we well, want to get viewership from Europe and Korea, good, but it should not be at the expense of North American viewership. This is a great thought experiment that I want to do with both of you. It's a great way of critically thinking through a lot of situations like this, and it's just to continuously ask why until you can boil down into the final point. So why would they put why would they prioritize EU fans? in North America over North American fans? I think this is an interesting question, and it's something that I was thinking about a lot because it feels like for the past year or or so, the LCS has been spending a lot of time trying to drive growth in our region within new fans and bringing not just casual viewers in in a more serious light, but being able to create a new atmosphere for new people who aren't as well-equipped to just kind of drop themselves into the LOL esports, right? So what I'm well, unfortunately, what it feels like is that Riot sort of seems like they don't really see any growth happening in North America, not in a way that they want to see it. And we know that there is a lot of growth in the LEC. We've seen that growth happen. That's why it was created in the very first place. That's why it's not the European LCS anymore. It's why it is its own region. Right. And perhaps that's that's what their statistics are telling them. Because that was another one of my big questions was like, where are these statistics coming from? Where are they getting this information? Uh, I don't know about you two. I don't know if you have any other information on this, but I didn't see any cited sources or any information in in that way. Um, David, it looks like you want to say something. We don't, but I just want to make this very clear because I, I see a lot of people questioning Riot's data on this. These people are not paid you know, $8 an hour to go yes. out and just throw numbers at a wall right. and guess this. These people, Riot employees are paid very well to do thorough research at the same level that every other yes. Fortune 500 company does because profits depend on it. Mm-hmm. The data that they're using, whether we like it or not, is real data that can act, that can be utilized effectively and decisions can be made off of that. So I just want to make sure that everybody like that's listening is clear. Riot's data should not be called into question. That is very accurate to whatever market sample they were taking it from was. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think more so it's not questioning that their data, whether or not their data is accurate. It's questioning what they choose to do with that data. That that sort of um, goes Fair. over my head. Yeah. In a sense, you know, LEC viewership, they've actually, they've gone down since COVID sort of uh, moved away or not moved away as it subsided and that's something that has not seemed to hearken them at all in the sense that Riot still sees um, I guess Europe as the premier League of Legends region within the West right so I want what I want to know is what exactly is it in the data that's telling them that North American League of Legends is not something that is drawing interest within North America, because here's the thing, this is completely anecdotal, but it feels like for the most part, European League of Legends uh, 
as a known LEC fans, but fans living in the continent of Europe, they will watch LCS as a you know as a as a back of, of sorts if they do not want to watch LEC or if LEC is not on, if for whatever reason they are salty because their team lost or whatever. And it looks to me that their conclusion was that we can get more viewers that way than we can um, if we tailor to and David, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't make more, or they don't make less money if the viewers are not coming from North America. Because a view is a view, and eyeballs, views, a pair of eyeballs. Yeah, correct. And we don't. There's no, from a business model perspective, we don't have in-person events outside of the two finals that we already have. We have the LCS arena is the only spot that generates revenue, and even that is like very marginal at best. So like. Right. To the the people worried about, you know, oh, this is going to prevent people from going in the studio. Very like that was never a a major consideration in the first place. I bet, yeah. So my my thing is just that, like, I guess what they are banking on is the fact that more European fans will decide to watch the LCS now that it is in a more comfortable time slot. And obviously, I disagree heavily with that decision and the implication of that decision but I, i'd say you know to your point the data that's that's what they have drawn as an inference yeah yeah i think that's fair i, I mean I, I guess my question at that point is like that we're going to it feels like and this is not i don't know how true this is going to be i think the overall sentiment that i've seen is that viewership there's a good chance that it is going to go up overall but there's also a high likelihood that it's going to go down in North American viewership and just higher in EU viewership. And do we do we honestly think that the change, that shift, where there are X amount of North American viewers who cannot watch anymore or are going to choose not to because they're busy doing something else, is it going to be offset so heavily by this new EU viewership that we're going to see growth and, and not be at a net loss overall? I here's the thing. I I get that analysis, but that's also very short term. Try and put yourself in the mind frame of thinking five years from now. What do you think is going to drive sustainable increases in viewership year over year for the LCS? Is it going to be North American fans or is it going to be from somewhere else? Because we can't just look at this at one year's pay. Like, yeah, sure. If if viewership goes up 10% this year, great. When you're developing a business plan, you're developing five years out. And if that 10% this year can lead to something further, then great. If, say, they kept it at a normal time slot for us, but viewership stayed the same. And we're saying that online viewership doesn't matter as much as like pleasing North American fans. What's the, what's the long-term optic here? I'm not I, trying I to paint a doom, and, a doom and gloom picture here, just to be very clear. But no, I'm no, just, you make a good point. You make a good the point. reality that we're sitting in. That's exactly what they said in, you know, in the LCS-specific post that they made, is that, look, something has to change because we have been hemorrhaging viewers slowly for, you know, in, in the last years, not even slowly, just straight up bleeding views. And we want to sort of try something new to where we can change it. And from a business perspective, um, I think that it would not be different uh, in the eyes of Riot, where they're getting their viewers from, like we said, a views of view, whether it's from North America or Europe. And if we take a look at, you know, the perspectives of other traditional sports, you'll find that a lot of times 
uh, let's say when the NFL goes over and has games in London, they will do games at like you know uh, one p.m. or two p.m. local time, just so that it is at a reasonable time slot for fans back in America because they know that that's where the main audience is. They are catering less to fans that are right there because they want to cater more to fans that they know will turn on their TVs and watch. So to that end, I think what Riot is doing is that they're recognizing that, you know, to some degree, I don't know how accurate this is because League of Legends, I think, feels more tied to regional pride to some degree. What they're banking on is that fans from other regions will realize, okay, we have professional league of league of legends to watch and although it is not the league that is our home region it is a major league nonetheless and that, that is content for us to consume and you can say the same thing for for valorant which is um that north american fans will get to will get to feast on both na and uh emea vct yep completely agree the the question that that beckons then is long term ignoring the esport like going even more general what is the trajectory of north american fandom in league of legends is the esports fandom besides just lcs but the esports fandom in in na what's the long term trajectory for us is it going to grow is it going to remain stable even if we got all the attention in the world, would it grow? That, that's a tougher question. And I personally am not optimistic, right? Because there's there comes a point where, you know, once again, like th this is a more pessimistic take because Riot insists that they are not attempting to second fiddle the LCS. Um, but at the same time, their actions speak otherwise to some degree. And it does, and you know, what, what I want to point out to that sense is that I don't think that it, it's headed in a good direction as far as League of Legends specifically is concerned, because if there are, you know, it, it, even if we take, like, the schedule discussion out of the way, Travis Gafford has done X amount of polls recently where he talks about the reason that esports fandom for League of Legends is declining in the United States in the, or, you know, in North America as a whole. Um, is those being that there's a decline in any players, there's a decline in content, you know, players don't... Players, um, players has remained stable, uh, just to... Yeah, somewhat of course, another one. There, There's a, there's another one there that there's such immense roster turnover that there are all these things that are sort of already causing the league to decline in viewership to the point where another one could very easily be the nail in the coffin. And I think that's something that they need to, and that, and that fans also need to be cognizant of. I, what, what's your thoughts, Mage? Uh, I mean, I like to consider myself a positive person. I, I, I mean, on my Twitter, it literally says LCS Hopium Dealer. Uh, in in my uh, in my in my bio, and I actually brought what like my CLG LCS Hopium sign when I was at Worlds this year. Um. I think my viewpoint is that I think esports is going to grow just in general, at least in the United States. I think that's the trajectory that we've seen in the last couple of years for for North American League of Legends, though. That's that's kind of where my question mark lies is I think that there is a level of excitement that is 
being built around this game as esports itself is going to grow because i think when people are looking into gaming as a career or or really just from a casual sense and as as a as a source of entertainment when you're looking up esports one of the big names that is going to show up every single time is going to end up being league of legends and as esports as an overall system grows in the, in in north america it should theoretically help grow North American League of Legends. So the LCS itself should also be growing uh, in, in this theoretical sense. That's that's what I would like to think. But if anything, statistics have kind of shown that to not be true uh, for, for the most part, which, which feels extraordinarily bad. Uh, but I mean, I still hold out hope because I do think that this game is exciting. I do think that there are interesting players and storylines and, and, and talent uh, among like casters and writers and, and video production that can create and generate a level of excitement and enthusiasm for this region that is that that's essentially mirroring where it's growing in other places in the world. Right. When I talk about league of legends to my friends who aren't fans of the game, who don't know anything about the game, but I'm ex explaining these, these ga this game to them and these teams and these stories, they look like they're interested. Right. I, I've been, I've been pushing them to watch the, like the players TV show. I've been pushing them to catch LCS games with me. Let, just last year, the very first game that I got my friends to watch LCS with me uh, with was uh, the team liquid EG game where Danny got his Baron steel pentakill. Right. And from that, that point onward, it was done. They're LCS fans after that point, right? There is a level of excitement that is generated in this game, surely based off of, of, of gameplay and the namesake in itself. Um, I just, my, I, I'm obviously not a part of any sort of business, so I don't know how, how you can take these concepts and generate, you know, money and, and actual numbers from it. But I think all, in theory, all of the pieces are here to grow the, to, to grow the North American League. Uh, I just don't know you know, from, from where I'm standing, uh, how that is going to be put into effect. Right, yeah, and, and I agree, and I think that's what makes it all the more depressing, you know, because I, I tweeted about this um, the day it happened, and I said, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, did the tree actually ever fall, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I think about all the improvements that, you know, we're seeing on LCS broadcast and, you know, on the production side, in the sense where... They're putting so much effort into making this league better. They genuinely are. It is noticeable. The 2022 summer product was one of the best we've seen since maybe 2018. And it feels like a lot of that gets negated if you're putting it, as we discussed, in a time slot where you're not prioritizing um, any viewership, which is the audience you appeal to, right? Yes. So I, that's, for, that's, for now. that's something. For now, for yeah. Now. And, and that, for now. And, and that's something that I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest. The thing that worries me more than anything, and, and let me preface this once again by saying, I fucking love League of Legends. Or, sorry, I did not. Sorry. No, I no, go ahead. Go off, dude. Go off. I, I love the game of League of Legends. And I think you're, the most significant strides that you will now make North American viewership will be the in-person ones. The ones where you bring a fan or a friend into it and you have watch parties and you do all this stuff that activates people at a grassroots level. I think that is really the only way to grow North American fandom. I don't think you're ever going to be able to do it online, which is why I think online they're shifting towards 
uh, EU viewers because it, it's just easier for them. And as a business, that makes more sense. Why invest so much money to get on the ground, to move around, to do all these things that you don't know how it's going to turn out? By all means, I'm trying to organize watch parties every other week for 2023. I'm, I'm already in contact with a few places to make sure that we can get it on so that in this, for, at least for East Coast, it's going to be a happy hour because we get out yeah. of work at six and then you watch the last two games. But the reality is it should, it should not be this hard. Yes. And not, not this hard from a riot is screwing us way. This hard from a we should be able to provide these things and people naturally come to them. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have to be this, you know, where you're literally forcing people to come, forcing people to do this. There should be this buzz around it that gets people to come naturally. And then you explain it to them and then you introduce it to them in the same way that, like, for example, when Fortnite absolutely popped off, your friends didn't have to drag you into it. You had already heard about it. A friend mentioned it and you went or you tried the game and that was it. And I'm worried that League of Legends in North America will always have its spot. Like we will always have a consistent amount of viewership. Say it's a hundred, we dropped like 80,000. And we have 80,000 viewers every single time. That's fine. I, coming from Call of Duty, it's whatever. I'm worried that we've hit our ceiling and that the dreams of esports becoming that stadium event that consistently happens more than just twice a year here, that it's not going to be for League of Legends, that it's going to be for something else, that we are going to be the game that end up that walked so that somebody else could run. And the same way that Call of Duty walked so that League of Legends could run and Quake walked so that Call of Duty could run. Like, like the continuous stepping stones. I don't know if Valorant's going to be that thing. I personally hedge my bets against that. I think it needs to be something that catches on all around the world fps games don't aren't peak competition to me but i do worry that league has is entering that phase where we are recognizing that our ceiling has been hit to a certain extent and that we can be complacent where we will be at forever and that's sustainable and fine but it's not it's not going to be to grow that thing that we said it might be five years ago I agree. I'm yeah, and sorry. Really sorry for that. I'm, I just wanted to apologize for that being so kind of dark in a way. Like I, it's just the mood that I'm in today. You're good. You're no, good. I, I think you made some great points. So, like number one, the thing that League has working against it that Valorant, you know, and I, I say Valorant because it seems to be like our benchmark for using the the thing that League has going against it is novelty. League has been around for eleven years. And there's some sentiment, I would assume, that if there's X thing we haven't done in 11 years, who's to say we will start to do it now? But that's something that I would really, really hope that is not prevalent within the offices in California. Because if it is, then that is just honestly depressing. But if, if I had to make a guess as to what negative sentiment could be, I feel like that would be one of them. Because... There is, you know, and, and obviously there's an argument to this and that league is constantly changing in the sense, you know, they'll have patches and they'll have changes made every year. But how discernible is that to the eye of a non-hardcore um, viewer? Not at all, right? If I, if I have a friend who's a casual fan and I show them a game in 2019 
and I show them a game now, and I say, oh, look, so there's a couple of changes. We have, like, we have a new type of dragon, and then, you know, the map changes, and there are these little alcoves in the side. That's not enough to the point where it's novel. So I think one thing that's going um, awry is that League does not have an aspect of novelty going for it. Um, the the upside to that is that it has an established place in the social ladder as far as games go. Like you said, like it, it has a it has a it has a floor in the sense that you know you could pull so much investment from League, but it will still have that floor. And all I hope is that like we said, Riot is not, you know, and I d I don't think they are for what it's worth. The optimistic take on that. I don't think they are okay with letting it sit on that floor because you know uh once nazalataha took over um as the global head of league of legends a couple of years ago there was i think to me a noticeable shift where they are moving league of legends esports away from focusing on league of legends a computer game and more towards the athletes that play it as well as the leagues that sort of that are formed around it and i think that is a great way to um to market market the sport right in the sense that when people watch their favorite traditional sports games, they're not sitting there going, oh my god, this, this, this quarterback can throw the ball 90 yards, right? Obviously, it's cool to see. But you don't watch um, traditional sports for feats, for pure athletic feats. If, if you want to do that, you would watch like Highlight Heaven or something. You watch it because there's watch stories. Watch the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, of course. You watch it because their stories are connected to the team, you're connected to the players, and you know there's a there's an added layer of comfort there in that a lot of teams can just bank on the fact that they will have fans from their city, and league does not have that. But I think that if if I were to be optimistic, that's something I really like, which is that league, you know, LCS, LEC, and global as a whole, they started to realize that the way forward is now that people are familiar with the game that people more or less are familiar with how League of Legends work, that they can start pushing these leagues. And I think that is something that I want to give them kudos for. But then it all loops back to if you are making these investments, how do you make sure that they go into the eyes and ears of the audience, right? Because cause like we said, there are viewers um, online, you can get them in E, you can get them in an A. But I think League is something that there's the main problem with it is you don't know how to get new fans into their on riots level. Like as fans, we can say, all right, you know, I'm going to grab three friends and I'm going to tell them to sit with me and watch league of legends and see if that sticks. But how, how do we scale that up and how do we make, make sure it keeps going if we have a setback as far as viewing hours are concerned? Yeah. Uh, I definitely, I definitely agree with a lot of your points. I think, and that that was actually something that I was going to say is I I think that in terms of transitioning how LCS wants to see itself grow, especially in the last year they put a they put a lot of effort and a lot of push on highlighting players, highlighting stories about players, and even the organizations themselves. And it's, and it's become a lot less about the game itself and a lot more about the people who are playing it. Right. I I know from my own personal experience in this last year trying to get my friends to 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 watch the game or or play the game or anything like that. Uh, amongst my friends who already played the game, all I had to do was talk to them about players, right? I had to talk to them about who's playing the game right now, who's doing the scene, who's coming back, 
Like, the fact that Bjergsen came back last year was a huge deal to a lot of people. And now the double lift is coming back this year. I, I have a couple of new friends, I have a couple of friends, including those who I do this podcast with, who are coming back just to see double lift play. Because they, they may not have watched him play in his prime, but they know the name, they recognize it, and just solely off of namesake alone, they're willing to sit down and watch the LCS, right? And then it draws comparisons to, to the new names that, that pop up every uh, every other year or so, right? I know last year when Jojo Pune was debuting, right? And I was talking to my roommate about that. I was like, you need to watch this kid. This is going to be the next great North American mid laner right here. And he doubted me. And then uh, Jojo ran it down his rise in a TL game where Bjergsen was playing Vagar, and they actually just lost that because of that, um, which we joked about and we joke about today. But now you watch him and he's like, this player has grown incredibly well. And my friend who didn't really watch the LCS beforehand, but was just interested in playing the game, watched the best players in our region play the game, all of a sudden becomes interested in watching the sport itself, right? That, that's the kind of growth that I enjoy seeing. It's, it's definitely the easiest way that I have found to get League of Legends players who have never watched professional League of Legends but play the game casually. That's the best way that I've seen getting them into the game. I don't really know how to get new people into the game because there, there is that question of like, this is, this is the game, this is how it's been for the last 11 years uh, with, with some tweaks and some changes here and there. And if you don't enjoy MOBAs, then you just don't enjoy League of Legends. And and that's that's one of the that's one of the main issues that I've run into because my friends are all like, oh, I like Call of Duty and or Stardew Valley, and I do not know what a Nexus is, but I'm sure as hell not interested in it. All you have to do is always, always look at the youth of America. That's the nut. Like people, as we get older, we tend to isolate in our own bubbles, try to worry about ourselves in regards to how we grow things, how we fix things. Always ask kids. They'll tell you what's popular. Yeah. And the reality is League of Legends is not in any of their mouths, barring Arcane. True. So it's That's like... That's absolutely true. You, you have your work cut out for you if you're Riot Games trying to grow League of Legends because the youth... You, you miss this current youth wave. That's not saying that you can't have another, to be very clear. That is possible. If the Riot Cinematic Universe continues to pop off and then inspires people to play, and then the MMO eventually bleeds people in, by all means, you can have that. And there are possible possible benefits to be had there. But nobody, as of right now, nobody's talking about it. And that's going to be a trend for the next five years. As those kids get older, as those middle school kids who are playing those games right now eventually hit high school, eventually hit college, eventually hit the age that we are all at now, League's not going to be that game for them as of right now. There's no pipeline to feed them into it. That doesn't exist. So you just constantly go with what's trending. Yeah, that's the problem. Like We, we made that point about Fortnite earlier to where, you know, I see, like, I think I was... I was what maybe fourteen when Fortnite was at its peak a couple of years ago, and obviously it's it's at the point where we're in high school, and so one person starts to play Fortnite, two people start to play Fortnite, and then it just spreads like wildfire. And I don't think League has ever had that moment. And, it did, and, and then that's a problem. Your, it did a not for time. your generation. Yeah, If you don't no, mind my, at, uh, you so Fortnite hit its prime when you were fourteen. You said. Yeah, and I'm currently 18. Fortnite hit its prime when I was 24. 
League of Legends hit its prime when I was a senior in high school into my college years. So 2011 to 2014. It had that period, but it's over. That's the difference. This, the current generation of fans, the newer generation, was never around for that. So it, it's impossible to, to do that. League of Legends was the game for me that I had friends tell me I need to try playing. And I was like, no, that's the nerd game that everybody's playing right now. I'm going to stick to COD. Mm-hmm. I intentionally <laughs> held out until 2017, past the wave, until I got into it. That that's, actually, that that makes it. sense. That makes sense because, like, there's a parallel to that with Fortnite now, to where when Fortnite was at its peak, at some point after the whole thing with Drake and Juju Schuster, people um, at my age were like, "Okay, no, I'm not playing Fortnite because it's for 12 year olds that you know like to max out mom's credit card." And now that that popularity is settled, it's going. It's it's has its own little niche, and they're doing just fine. And I think League, and I think League is at a similar spot where they had that wave that you talked about. It settled down, and obviously, it has a much much bigger player base, to my knowledge, than Fortnite does. But the, the shape of that curve is the same, and there have to be ways to make it flick upward again. And, you know, I, I don't know how they do that from a League of Legends perspective. I think it's easier to do it from an LCS perspective because, like we said, over the like over the 10 years now that LCS has run, and I'm assuming the other major regions have been active for a similar amount of time, if not the same, they have, I'd say, managed to convert a decent amount of people that were League players to be LCS or LEC or lowly sports fans. A pretty oh, yeah. decent percentage what they haven't done is sort of break the bubble and say, these are people that don't watch, uh, that don't play League of Legends, but can still watch all esports. And that sounded like an inane idea to me when I first, because I feel like you can't watch all esports if you don't play League. But then I'm realizing that on a couple of our Twitters uh, today, there's a, there's a decent amount of people that do not play League of Legends for whatever reason, but they are interested in the leagues, they're interested in the players, they're interested in the stories, and that is working for them. You know, so, so from an LCS perspective, they should lean more into that. And, and from a League of Legends perspective, someone talked about it um, on a recent Hotline League episode with Travis Gafford, where you're like, you need to find a way to get it on people's computers again. Because now it's it's gone back to its own little bubble, and it is not the mainstream thing anymore. Is it? I don't know if it's possible to just sort of bring it back up out of there, you know, out of its niche. But if not, then you have to find another way to get it um, back on people's minds. That's my thing. I don't believe it can. I I personally don't believe that League of Legends can go the online route of attracting new fans. I think it has to be in person. Because the, the argument that I keep coming back to is with American football, it is the most watched sport in the United States. How many of us actually play it? Very Not many. Very few, few. yeah. Bar, barring Very the South, because by all means, football is love, football is life in Texas, mm-hmm. Florida, and a lot of your southern states. So I'm not discrediting anything that happens down there. But the multi-millions of people that watch it are not playing it. So how do you get that? Well, you add economic, you add value to people's lives with it. For for many people, football for me, I I can't play it. I literally can't because of a health condition. So 
where is football added value in my in my life? We have season tickets to the Steelers. It provides consistent events for us to go to and bond with family and do all of these things that are extra to just the game itself. It provides tailgating and tons of time to bond with new people, to meet others that share similar interests. It's a social thing as well as Absolutely. an entertainment product. I, To me, and I, I keep getting pushed back on this, the only way I think you grow the LCS long-term with actual North American fans is by getting North American fans in person. I don't no, think I you can. Yeah. I don't think you can shift like, and that's to be clear. That is not in LA either. No. This like I the LCS studio is not the answer. This has to be going around to theaters in yeah. like two thousand, three thousand seat theaters and just playing. And if somebody knows, hey, this time next year it's going to be in New York, and the year after that it's going to be in New York as well. People can go. People can plan around it. People can invest money and time and bring others into it. And then all of a sudden, you have social events out of it. Comic-Con is in New York at a specific month every year. People can plan on it. All of us that are front, that live in New York, even if we're not into comics, we know. <laughs> we know when it's coming. You need that level of impact. And, and I there's think a chance you go impact. just because your friends are going. Because it's a exactly. social thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? my My roommate, for example, is not on in on sports at all but he will go to see the knicks if i say i want to go and see the knicks because there's a social element to it to where you know you can sort of convince people that to go for the social experience because people like to be in the stadium and they like the atmosphere that comes with it and also there's a base level of understanding to where if i say okay let's go and watch a basketball game my my friend knows what they're getting into it's not as clear if I say, all right, I'm going to go, you know, let's, let's go and watch League of Legends live in person. And unless they are part of a gaming niche, they might not know what to make of that. And I think that's one problem to where the social aspect of it has not been captured. Because a lot of these in-person live events that we can think of, we can think of live sports, we can think of concerts, they have an aspect where people will be convinced to go if their friends are going. Because that's how... You know, that's how conformative psychology works. And League of Legends has not tapped into that. And I think they should, like we said, because with these changes to the viewing schedule, they want to capture overseas fans online. Good for them. And to sort of offset that, I completely agree that we need to add a social, you know, IRL aspect of it in person. Yeah. The problem is riots made their bed and they're going to have to lay in it. Yeah. You can't yeah. shift the time zone. And expect us to grow the in-person element. Yes. Absolutely. Which I get why Riot would pick that. I do. But. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something like undescribably electric about being in a studio full of other people who are here for the same reason as you. Which is just to enjoy the best version of this game that's possible for us right now. Right? I mean, I, that that was my very first experience watching Worlds this year for me. I've never been able to see a League of Legends event ever in person, right? Not not may, a lot of that is because of COVID. Otherwise, I probably would have planned my trip and flown to California to watch LCS finals or something like that in the past. But because of COVID and everything, all that kind of stopped. So when I when I heard it was coming to New York City, 
and like I'm like what six hours away, I was still like I'm gonna make that trip. I'm gonna book. I'm gonna book my hotel. I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna experience League of Legends world, uh, League of Legends worlds. And I've I knew that it was gonna be fun and it was gonna be cool. But when I got into that, when I got into that stadium and I was surrounded by other people and like-minded individuals, it was a completely different feeling. It was a completely different feeling to be sitting next to to people who are cheering for some of the Chinese teams to meet somebody in line sitting next to me who was cheering for Fnatic and then to watch all these teams play, right? And unfortunately, with what's happening right now with the scheduling for LCS, it's going to become, it, it is going to be increasingly more difficult for people to have those experiences in the LCS studio and even to have it outside of the LCS studio by just watching with friends, because that was going to be one of my big things this year, because I've, tr I've been trying to get as many people into LCS as possible. I was going to schedule, like, watch parties over Discord, right? And I was going to have everybody come in. We're going to watch the games, watch the seasons. People are going to, you know, learn about this competitive region from the ground up for people who know the game but don't know the competitive scene. And we were all going to experience that together. But we can't really do that anymore, because I'm going to be at work until 6 p.m., my friend is going to be going to work to work their night shift. And like another friend of mine is going to be coming home from work as well. And it's like, well, okay, we can catch like what, two hours of the games, maybe potentially. But even then it's like, I, 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 and this is definitely different for everybody. But last year I would watch LEC into LCS. And there were days where I would stay up and I would watch uh, LCK or LPL because I love watching competitive league of legends. Right. And I am totally into the mindset of I want to sit down and I want to watch every single game and I want to experience every single one of these things happen for myself and catching only two hours of it. At that point, I feel like I'm just going to end up watching the VODs and like maybe that's okay on Riot's side that North American fans are catching their VODs, but it feels bad as a fan who is dedicated to watching these games to have this happen to us, right? I'm really glad you said this because this brings up a very a very good point to to understand here. You are the exact type of fan that they know they can change this and you will still watch. Unfortunately, yeah. That's valid. Absolutely. That's valid. That's the thing. What in terms of growing this, you cannot grow with fans like that. Yeah. As diehard as we all are, as as great as Riot is as happy as Riot is to, that we exist, they know that they can shift the time and it's fine. But the new people that come in are, don't want to watch 10 hours a day. The new people that come in don't want to watch every single region. That market that you're trying to hit, that broader appeal, is likely the people that are going to pick a team and watch that team only play. Mm -hmm. Which is a concept that a lot of League of Legends fans don't understand because so many league fans are fans of players yes and because of that they can go to any region they'll watch lck for faker they'll watch lpl for rookie they'll watch lcs for jojo pune they'll watch lec for reckless the majority of people like to pick a pick one team and stick to it outside of league of legends that's evident in almost every sport it's yeah. evident in call of duty it's like those are the fans that you're trying to grow for, that you're trying to attract. Those are not the fans, clearly, that can handle 10 hours of League of Legends yes, a day. It's true. overwhelming. True. Absolutely. And, and I, I know that I'm an outlier, 
But like that that's why I'm speaking to the point of like my friends who I want to get into the LCS, who I want to have any sort of experience with the competitive league, it, it feels like they're not going to have that opportunity to see that growth. And 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 that's what feels that, particularly that's, bad. That's right. the primary problem and I, and I think like the the way the scheduling was done is was, was really handled poorly in that regard because I feel like there were so many different options that they could have done. I think the very simple one that they could have gone for was to just take um, the, the the schedule that they have now and push it forward by two hours. That way you still get, you know, maybe a couple of late night stragglers um, off of LEC. And then at least for the East Coast fans, that becomes almost a perfect time to where it's 4 p.m. start. Uh, no, excuse me, it would be a 5 p.m. start yeah. and it runs through the night. And... Um, for the PST fans, maybe then they get to catch approximately three games on every game day, right? Or you could, and this is tangential, but I don't know why there is this dire need to fit every game into just two weeks, excuse me, into two days per week, where you could, you know, pretty ostensibly do something like the LCK and have one game per day in the same time slot to where it's okay. 7 p.m. ET on Monday, 7 p.m. ET on Tuesday, leading on until, you know, all the way through the Sunday, which is your primetime game, right? And that's something that I thought they should have done for a couple of years now. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think all in all, it's it's just a haphazard way of putting it where I don't really see what problems this solves because we know that, you know, their problem statement is, LCS is bleeding viewers, and it has been bleeding viewers for the last three years. To do it, we want to, you know, turn the tide and move it into a slot that will guarantee viewers. And I, and I don't think we've talked about the data they've used uh, to that end where they said that Twitch streams, uh, they say that Twitch streams are most watched during that period of time, during the sort of noon PST window. And that's why they said this is where we're putting it. Um. Personally, I'm trying to sort of internalize why that may be. I think, you know, a lot of personality streamers, your cutie Cinderella's and so on and so forth, they will stream at that window and then um, they'll obviously pull the massive viewers that they usually do. Will that translate to LCS? I think what Riot is hoping is that it will. I don't I know if that is. I think it will because a lot. If, have you heard a lot of streamers talk about why they stream at that hour? I don't. I'm not a big personality streamer person myself. They all have it at that time because it's the most accessible around the world. I just realized I'm really far away from my mic. It's really accessible around the world because their yeah. audience demographic information shows that they're at that time they're pulling enough NA viewers, enough EU viewers, enough uh, Asian viewers. Like the all the markets in general combine around that time to the point where it's best globally. So. I get Riot wanting to take advantage of that if they believe that their audience, as it currently exists, is mostly global, and then the trade-off of gaining North American fans by pushing it later is minimal. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So I, I think that it just it, it's it it goes to the point where you see the reason behind it, but that reason feels really shitty as a North American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that, I, I mean that. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like the data yes. all like the data all suggests like yes, this is smart, but all of us are on the shitty end yes. 
of that data. Like we are the people directly impacted by this, which makes it just hurt so deeply to right. know that like we're we you don't matter. It's like voting in the state or in New York City on election day. You mean nothing <laughs> at all. Yeah, and, and I think like it, the sting would be reduced if you know Lowell Esports was sort of one like you know one league where theoretically if you would have just sort of the LCS, LEC, LPL, LCK rolled into one thirty team or forty team league, and then Riot says, "All right, well here's the thing: if we're being honest, we pull more viewers at this point in time, so we're going to put this league later on, right?" But that's not the way it works because you look at yourself and you say. Korea has their own league at convenient viewing hours. Europe has their own league at convenient viewing hours. Why are we selling this league out as well? And, and that's the part that really sucks. Because, you know, as, as an intelligent fan, you understand, like we said, the data suggests that it's, it's going to be good for the viewership and in turn good for um, the pay, or not the pay, excuse me, the revenue. Yeah. But the implications on domestic fandom or for severe, right? Because it's it's a backseat feeling as as far as League of Legends specifically is concerned that you get if you're a North American fan and you think that our league is being catered um, to time zones that are not, right? And then it, it all loops back to the discussion we had earlier about if fans don't feel like they are being catered to, they have no reason to continue within this esport because there will be others that are competing for their attention and doing it pretty damn well, because Riot is not... Well, Riot is a monopoly, but... Not a monopoly, excuse me, but they have a significant sort of market share as far as esports is concerned, to the point where maybe they have a competitor in Counter-Strike, they have a competitor in Dota, and arguably Rocket League, but outside of that, those are all the major esports. They have a monopoly on MOBA. Like, for sure. On MOBA, right. On MOBA, yeah. So, and and then you're at that point where if North American fans feel like, okay, as as uh, the, within, let's say, all of esports, not just the MOBA genre, within all of esports, I don't think that this league is sort of listening to me, proverbially. I will take my business to another esports, right? And obviously that's not the case. You know, there's, there's obviously going to be a segment of League of Legends fans that say, I don't get FPS, and so I'm staying within this genre, and I will watch League of Legends anyway. Um, but I think that's the main problem, is that these unconverted, sort of in-the-middle viewers, they will bleed out if they do not feel that they are being catered to. And that's the saddest part for me, because like we said, there are so many great investments and developments that are happening for the LCS as an entertainment product that might just end up being invisible. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is what I was saying a lot. Uh, when when this first got dropped, when I first read the article, uh, I wrote out a very, very long, multiple, multiple size, uh, multiple tweet size tweet about it. And I was talking about what you're doing is you're alienating the casual audience. And that is devastating to an ecosystem that you have the entire, the entire rest of the year have been spending trying to grow, right? By alienating the casual viewership, you are, at least for North American fans, you are essentially making it so that it feels like us North American fans, like we're, we're obviously not the priority. We're not the people who you care about necessarily. 
you know you're going to retain x amount of viewers because they are the dedicated fans and the dedicated audience that have been watching for years but anybody who came in this year who have been following like let, let, let's just I'm just going to keep using Jojo Poon as an example. They they came in, they saw Jojo Poon, they watched Jojo Poon, and, and they adore this player, but they only really care about this player. Sure, they they may tune in for the EG game, but if the EG game is happening at 12 p.m., they have they 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 don't necessarily feel like any they don't really feel inclined to actually sit down, take time out of their day, and do that if they have the availability to do it. Is it is in the middle of the day. Perhaps you take your lunch break, and on your lunch break, you 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 watch the game. Or if you're in school, perhaps you you take your lunch to, to like a lot to to the library, and you sit down and, and you watch the game as you eat your lunch in the library. Right? That's something that I would have done in high school, but I, that obviously cannot be said for everyone. Right? And 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 that's what feels. I mean, I, that's just what we keep coming back to. Is it it just feels really really bad being a general audience member in North America, as it 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 seems increasingly obvious that we are not your priority for Riot Games. Yeah. And yeah, just I, I want to specify that like less so for Riot Games, but not even being the priority for a league that it represents that is yeah. housed in your continent is yes. like the worst part. Yes, absolutely. because like I said, like if if LOL Esports was like congregated every region into like one league, and you and you think okay, um, you know we're not the priority of that league, then it's fine because then at that point it's like being you know an overseas fan like. Uh, a, a London fan of the NFL where you know that obviously you're not part of the target audience, so you're going to have to make a compromise. And to that end, you know, I, I'd still feel fine if I were in that spot where I know that, okay, at the end of the day, Korea pulls more viewers than us, so I'm going to have to sort of play by their rules. But seeing as that's not the fact and that North American fans are second fiddle for the North American League, I think is where it stings the worst. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think do you think it would be the same if we weren't franchised? Or, let me rephrase, do you think it would be the same if we were franchised in the same way that Valorant is right now? Here's the thing. I feel like it would not for the sole reason that Valorant franchising as a league is built on all the mistakes and all the learnings that League has had over the 10 years that it's been in eSports. That's fine. I, I get that, but what I'm saying is, say... We got rid of the franchise spots as we know them now and switch right now to partnerships in the same way that Valorant does. Do you think that would be better for the esport long term? I'm honestly, I know how the Valorant partnership works. I do not know like exactly how the business side of the league franchise works. I don't know if I can say, but based off my limited, or I guess you can explain it to me and then I can get my take. The reason why I, I bring this up is because Valorant, there is no financial ownership of any of these spots. Therefore, there's no... Dignitas is a great example. There would be no Dignitas in the Valorant League because you can't have a team that just comes in and coasts because it's against Riot rules and they would just re simply remove your partnership. The way franchising is set up in the LCS, Dignitas is able to come in, pay bare minimum, max out losses, and then sell for a profit. Regardless, five years from now, they will still profit. All the teams that bought in in 2018, bought in for $10 million, can likely sell their spot for 30 Even if they've been losing 2 to $3 million a year for the last five years, they're still turning a profit. Although a smaller one as time goes on. 
because of that, because they have financial ownership in the league, they have a say. And if teams don't want to change anything because they're just trying to get a return on their investment, you stall the progress of the league. You create the situation where there's an inability to change, unlike Valorant. If Valorant notices an issue going on with their franchise or an optimization that they want to make, done, right? Changes it. It's like, that's it. There's more coordination. There's more cooperation. There's more. Everybody is in it to grow it. People are not everybody that is involved with League of Legends esports is in it to grow it. That's the point. And the only way you will see change come in is if there's a competitor. And as we established on the MOBA side, there is none. And there probably never will be. Mm -hmm. So there's no incentive for these owners to push for more change. They just want to get their money back. Yeah, and I think to that end, you know, people like to sort of scapegoat NA as the only region for this, but we recently found out that over in Europe, there was so much resistance, which honestly, it sounds crazy to me. There was so much resistance for the new format that they have over in Europe, which I, for the record, think is really cool and really interesting. It might be one of the only reasons why I even watched the league. Um, there was a lot of resistance from that from the bottom tier teams who, and you know, according to an article that I think was on Invent recently, said that as an owner of a lower team, lower tier team, you know, obviously, somewhat where your place on the food chain is, right? Like you can. You obviously sell yourself as like anything can happen and we want to be the best, but you sort of know that you are not within, let's say, the Fnatic G2 tier. Um, and so these owners were not a fan of the new sort of format that they have because they would, as lower teams, they would get eliminated from the competition early on and play a lot less games, right? And I think that that is absolutely something that we would see in NA. It's maybe the reason why we don't have um, a system like that. I remember uh, Jackie Tian, the Cloud9 owner, tweeting out that he pushed for once he heard that LEC was going to get this um, structural, re- well, this format restructuring. He wanted to have something like that as well, but it didn't pass the voter. However, their, I guess, legal system works. Yeah. Um, it has to go through, you have to get through an ownership majority vote for it to right. go through, which means that teams are blocking it. Yeah, or that, that Riot, and, Riot could be blocking it as well, but Riot has one seat at the table. We don't know the percentage ownership, but say it's even. There's 11 seats at the table. Riot is one of them. Every other team is another one as well. Yeah, and and to that end, I think you know now now that we're talking about that, I think it's a great point that we make about the fact that you know there 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 is probably a very real hurdle to the growth of the LCS, and that you probably have, or you know you I mean not probably there are almost definitely some orgs that are not in there to build that. And so that is 10% of your league that is stagnant, right? And that's huge. That is a very big sort of roadblock to your growth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely not as well-versed in, in this particular subject uh, as, you, as you two uh, are. But I mean, just from the perception of it, based off of what David just explained, uh, I just, you know what? It, it's going to feel really kind of gross because I feel like I, I, it's not exactly where I want to take the conversation, but it's like, I hate the fact that money is such an important part of, of building businesses like this, right? That, that, that's what feels the, the worst part about it. It's just like the incentive for these teams to have it the way that they are is because they just want to make their money and 
not have to care and not work for it. And that feels extraordinarily bad for fans, right? I think there's a way around that, like, to be clear, not if, if we are talking about that. Because if you take, for example, your traditional sports leagues, across all the four major big sport, big four sports leagues in the United States, there's at least one team that all the fans sort of generally know is in there for no good reason other than to just sit around and, you know, line their pockets. In baseball, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example. In football, I can't think of one right now. But that is a hurdle that is present in you know, traditional sports as well. And yet there are measures in place to stop it from going out of check. And I don't think that, you know, that's there in the LCS right now. So if you can sort of pick these orgs out, you know, and if they're not on their way out, which some of them have rumoredly seemed to be, then how do you sort of curb, you know? And that's an answer that I think that they need to work on sooner than later. Because like we said, in Valorant, the way to curb orgs that maybe are not exhibiting that, their best interest, that the growth of the sport is in their best interest, can lose their partnership. In league, there is no incentive or no... There's nothing to keep them in check, right? No. And the problem is... and <laughs> I guarantee Riot is just kicking themselves right now. Because as, as much as people want to make Riot out to be this boogeyman of, you know, they're the cause of all of our problems. They can't balance the game. They can't manage an esport. Let me ask both of you this. You have an up-and-coming esports title, and you have to partner with one developer to help run your esport and grow it. What developer are you choosing? going to be Riot. Exactly. So it's like... They, they own number one, number two esports in the world. Exactly. And it's for yeah. a reason. They're building Valorant from the ground up. Anybody that... It blows my mind how many people can sit here and say, you know, by all means... There is a corporate evil that exists with every company. Obviously, that goes without saying. There are issues of like all the corporate sexism and everything else that exists. That's going to be with any company everywhere in America. I haven't found one that doesn't have that. But they know what they're doing in terms of growing this. And they're trying to do everything that they can within their power. That I guarantee if you go back to 2017... And they have the option of do you do you go franchising or do you not? They sit there and say fuck no, no chance. And then yeah. magically, all of a sudden, all these issues that we're having right now. Not saying it would be perfect. I'm not saying North America would be you know twenty times better than it is right now, but I promise you, it'd be in a better spot. Yeah, if they they'd have the unilateral, the excuse me, the unilateral power to make decisions that sometimes do get blocked, like we've seen in. In this in this format case that we just talked about, and I think that would have been so great to have at multiple points, you know, because if we think about the implications of let's say you know the league proposes that they are moving to Thursday and Friday, and the owners have to vote, and you know maybe maybe there are some owners that realize okay you know this is not something we want to do, and they vote no, but the fact that they can have a say in that and potentially make a decision that is for the worse, like the the overall, you know against the benefit of the LCS best interest is sort of screwed up. I think to say the least. Here's a great comparison that I just thought of for some reason in the moment. Uh, did you guys watch Marvel movies at all? Yeah. Or like Marvel kind of series? Terrible. I do. Okay. A lot. <laughs> a lot of people it, using the uh, the Winter Soldier Falcon uh, series on Disney Plus. A lot of people had issues with the fact that a super soldier serum exists. 
that can make somebody more powerful than others. And there's this whole dilemma of the more power you have, the more evil you can do with it. The th offset to that, though, is Captain America, where, yes, the more power, the more bad can happen. But if you give more power to the right people, then really good things can come from it. It is a very dangerous balance to have to put your trust in one person and put all that power in one individual. But in the right hands, amazing things can be done. I'm not saying that Riot is the arbiter of that, that they're the beacon of greatness, etc. But quite frankly, if, if I'm in a scenario right now where you tell me I either split power between the various different orgs and Riot or just give the power to Riot, I'd rather give the power to Riot right now. It's the lesser of two evils, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think there are obviously, like, there, there are, you know, demerits to having one entity have full control of uh, of the eSport in that sense. But like we said, I think it's it's definitely less of a downside than, I guess, the current system we have right now. And like we said, you know, if you're, if you're tying it into the schedule, I feel like the loss of power, the loss of negotiating power, I guess, um, to pull things off on your own is holding the LCS back in a lot of these regards. And I think recently, you know, they've they've been looking for ways that they can improve the league without having to sort of make decisions that involve the orgs. Like for example, you know, you can you can improve your content, you can improve your production, and that doesn't really have to get a a permission slip from the from the owners, right? And that's they're doing great in that sense. But you know, as much as myself and the rest of NA Men or group prioritizes the sort of engagement with um, with players and with content, there's only so far that that can take you as far as growing the league is concerned. Or, you know, not making decisions like this one, frankly speaking. Very true. Uh, but with that all being said, and um, it looks like we're running a little bit uh, close to the time where Dave is going to have to leave us here, so I do want to get some general, some 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 final thoughts overall right now as we wrap up as we wrap up this sort of bonus episode to Hextech Heroes. Um, so we, we've we've talked a lot about the issue. We've talked what the point of this might be, but do we have any solutions? Do do what what would we do to change this decision that they've made to become more convenient but still accomplish the same goal? That they're trying to do. Do we have any ideas on that sense? I'm assuming we can't just say we're going to change the schedule. Like assuming that we're stuck with the schedule. Because <laughs> uh, that would be too easy otherwise. That would be a very easy answer, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. do we have any ideas? I'll let you go first. I want to save mine. Okay. Um, I'm personally a little stumped by this because, like I said, I feel like there's you can literally make the best product in the world, but if there's no eyes on it, then it will not matter. Um, which I think is my overall sort of overarching view on um, the schedule change. With that said, I think that if they are going to have this problem, they should, you know, prioritize their non-live experience. And I don't mean live in the sense as an in-person, but their non-live experience in that there is stuff to do as an LCS fan or stuff to engage with as an LCS fan that is not just watching the games alone. 
we, and, I, and I say that, you know, because for example, if you're, if you're a baseball fan, there's 162 games in a season. No one is going to catch all 162 unless that's your job um, to some, in, in some way. But there are ways to keep yourself engaged and updated and keep yourself interested with the sport without necessarily having to have a 100% attendance rate. And so if we're going to keep the schedule, I think there needs to be ways to reach fans, um, either whether that is through in-person activations, like David emphasizes, or um, additional forms of content. There needs to be ways to keep fans interested in the league if you cannot keep them watching live. And I think I'll leave it there. I don't want this to come off as egotistical at all. But the thing that I think that I'm going to do is I'm going to try and focus on growing my brand and pushing the individual game of League of Legends and trying to be a funnel. I think if I can't control what the league does, I can't control what teams do. If they don't want to put out content, then it is what it is. If the league doesn't want to change the schedule, I have no say in that. But the only thing that I feel like I can personally control this year is growing the game to as many people as I can. And if I can develop some sort of community and greater following that gets people into the game that I can then pass off to the LCS then I've done my job I've done what I can do as an individual where sure I might not be able to grow the league I might not be able to grow the players but if I can grow the game that gives us a chance at having people that might filter down and yeah they might not filter down they might just stay as fans of the league but that at least gives us a chance so I'm going to keep doing watch parties in New York City I'm going to keep trying to talk about the game and grow the game in as many areas as I can and pray to God that teams create content, pray to God that the league is entertaining so that when people are interested in League of Legends and are looking for more than just casually playing or just casually watching a video or two of mine, I can point them in the LCS direction, even with the new time. That's how I feel like I'll have the most amount of influence. I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. I, I love that idea, actually. I don't have any solutions it, it, it myself. Can... <laughs> I think, you know, just, I, I know we want to wrap up, but just to David's end, that can come in, like, so many forms. Like, yeah. think about, um, you know, uh, Football Manager, for example, is, is, is a game that I know a lot of people in my high school used to enjoy, despite not being really big into soccer. The, the game Football Manager is, um, obviously uses European football, but that's, that's a game that was very popular, despite people not watching the English Premier League or whatever league, they would engage with this product that was designed to draw attention towards the league, even if you're not a fan that can watch games. And the, the LPL launched this uh, this game a while ago that was something like that. You, could, you, you would draft players and you would put them on and they would play out the game. It's like some sort of GM experience. And they launched it only on the Chinese app store where people managed to pirate it on there. And when that happened, you saw an uptick in the rise of people that cared about the LPL, despite the fact that they are not going to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning to watch it, you know? And I just think there are ways to 
draw hype around the league that are not sit down and watch our games. And I think that's the direction that I think fans should try if they're able to push um, themselves and their content in, as well as obviously the league. I agree. And I think we're, I think all three of us are going to try to be doing our part over the course of this next year to try to grow engagement and grow excitement for the LCS and, and grow fandom for League of Legends as much as we possibly can. Uh, but with that being said, it's we are coming to about the end of the time that I think we have set for uh, for this episode of the podcast. So, guys, do you have any, you know, uh, shout outs, last thoughts, and you want to talk about what you may be doing this upcoming week or weeks? Either one of you. I'll go first. Take the, <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Take the... <laughs> right. um, I'd like to shout out my amazing crew at the NMN podcast. It's been surreal um, seeing our, our content and our platform sort of take off. I think it was beyond any of our wildest dreams. So I'd encourage everyone to go check out our podcast and some of the fun content that we do on Twitter. And as for what I'll be doing, um, I was looking to spend, looking forward to spending the holidays with my family, and hopefully we have um, we have some interactive experiences. I think I'll leave it there without being too obvious. Coming up uh, from the side of NAMN, so uh, I hope everyone looks forward to those. I look forward to doing nothing for another <laughs> week because it's holidays, and I've been on a hiatus from the game of League of Legends since the rank season ended. And I swear to God, I'm going insane. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much, but I force myself to do it every year so that the game feels fresh whenever rank comes back again. Just get this week done with. Get the next like three weeks done with. Get me back so I can play <laughs> the game already, please. Preseason is a fresh hell. That is absolutely certain. <laughs> There's a reason why I never play it. Because all <laughs> it's just it's madness. And until it gets solved by the time that rank comes out, I don't want to touch it. Plus, it's healthy to take breaks from the game. And this is the only way that I know that I'll be able to do it because my rank doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, with that being said, as we wrap up the show, I want to shout out you two. Thank you very much for coming out and, and showing up and doing this episode with me. It's been absolutely wonderful. I wish it was under better terms. I wish we were here meeting over some incredible victory for some underdog team in the LCS. But unfortunately, we're here for the new LCS schedule and, and talking about that. Uh, although it was an incredible conversation... You two are wonderful guests, and I hope to have you on to the show uh, at some other point. Uh, but until then, uh, I will see you everybody next time on the next episode of Hextech Heroes. Goodbye. Adios.